Welcome to this week's episode of Startups for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Rob Walling. Each week on the show, we cover topics relating to building and growing startups in an ambitious, but in a sustainable and repeatable fashion. These are not the typical Silicon Valley startups where fundraising can be a goal in itself and where people build slide decks instead of building businesses. We want to be meticulous, disciplined, and have a way to repeat our success instead of relying on so much luck and so many things to come together that it's a one in a thousand chance. We want to build real businesses with real customers who pay us real money. In this week's episode, I speak with Craig Hewitt about how he went from his day job to running a productized service to running a fast-growing SaaS application called Castos. All this as a non-technical founder. This is Startups for the Rest of Us, episode 459. Welcome to Startups for the Rest of Us, the podcast that helps developers, designers, and entrepreneurs be awesome at building, launching, and growing startups, whether you've built your fifth startup or you're working on your first. I'm Rob, and today with Craig Hewitt, we're going to share our experiences to help you avoid the mistakes we've made on our journeys. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm excited to talk to Craig Hewitt. You may know him from his podcast, Rogue Startups, where he has chronicled his journey over the past several years. And if I recall correctly, that's where I first heard about Craig. What I like about Craig is he has been doing this for, for years. Four and a half years ago, he started a productized consulting service. Two years later, he quit his day job. He acquired a WordPress plugin. He started Castos, which is a SaaS app for podcast hosting. And he's built that up to the point where he has four full-time employees, two part-time employees, and he is part of our inaugural Tiny Seed Batch. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation with Craig. We dive into a lot of stuff that he hasn't talked about on his podcast. And, you know, per, per the interviews I've been doing recently, I try to, to dig into some points in particular and not just cover a broad story, but really look at the important points along his journey, things he learned, advice that you can take away to help you build and grow your startup as well. And I want to do a little experiment this week. It's something I haven't done before. But I talked to Craig offline and said, you know, I bet folks will listen to this episode and they might have questions for you, whether it's a question about how you did it, about your journey, about podcasting, about startups in general, just anything that you would like to hear Craig and I riff on and talk about, or frankly, if it's just for Craig, that's okay too. And then I want to invite him back and probably it'll be two, maybe three weeks and any questions that have been submitted, he and I can, can run through on the show. So it's a Q&A episode, but it's a Q&A episode with a guest host, and you have context about his experience. So as you listen to this episode, please try to think of a question or two for Craig, and then email it to questions at startupsfortherestofus.com, and you can send that as a text question or you attach it, you know, Dropbox link to an MP3, or you can just call our voicemail number if you're on your phone right now. It's 888-801-9690. And I'd love to, to have Craig back on the show, assuming we get questions and, and we can run through those. And I, I think it could be an interesting and fun experiment to have these guests who come on the show, not just tell their story, but also offer practical advice and tips. And this is something I've been talking about for, for quite some time about how I've enjoyed the Q&A episodes because it allows all of us to be smarter. You know, the fact that I'm here on the microphone talking and answering questions is good. And, and I've been able to share knowledge along with Mike Tabor for the past, you know, nine plus years. But the community and everyone out there collectively, like we are all smarter if more of us can weigh in on, on these topics. And so I love to pull guests back on the show and do questions. So please do send any in questions at startupsfortherestofus.com if you have uh, any questions for Craig. Maybe put a question for Craig in the subject line. That'll help me catalog them. 
So let's dive into the interview with Craig. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Craig, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Rob. I bet a lot of folks know who you are from your, you know, Rogue Startups podcast you've been doing for several years. Congrats on that, by the way. So many podcasts don't even make it 20 or 30 episodes. And you guys are, are you at like 170 something? Yeah, we'll be 200 around the end of the year. Yeah. Good for you. Are you going to do some exciting, you know, on these milestone episodes, everyone always tries to do something cool and interesting. And I always find it hard to come up with new things. Have you even given thought to what, what you might do on that episode? We have thought about it. We did a really cool episode of 100. It was like a, a, a mashup of a bunch of little interviews that Dave did at MicroConf like two years ago. And so we might do something similar to that, just talking about a little bit of everything, founder stories, lessons learned, stuff like that. I think those are really neat. That's cool. I was asking you because our fifth 500th episode is coming up and I wanted to steal your idea and do it before you did it for the two. <laughs> so it looks like we can, of course I wouldn't do that. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, so the reason I wanted to have you on the show today, well, there's many reasons, but one is you're a non-technical founder who has built a successful SaaS app and, and successful to the point that you have four full-time employees, two part-time, tiny seed. We backed you. You're part of our, you know, inaugural tiny seed batch. I mean, stuff's really been going up and to the right for you for a couple years now with Castos. And so I wanted to walk through that story because starting a SaaS app is hard enough. Starting a SaaS app as a non-developer is their unique challenges with it. And so I want to take people back to kind of where you started. You know, now you live in, in Annecy, France with your family, but you're from the States. You were living in New Orleans, if I recall, and you were working a day job as a sales guy. Is that right? Yeah, so I'm I'm the the dreaded sales guy at heart, which is actually like a really nice thing. If you're not a developer, you have to be like a salesperson or a marketer. So that's kind of what I bring to the table, I guess. But yeah, I was in like enterprise level medical sales, so selling stuff to hospitals and doctors, and just you know started a podcast, started Rogue Startups, just really as like a fan of entrepreneurship and software and SaaS and stuff like that, online business and ironically, you know, that's kind of what led to kind of my first business that was any kind of success, which is called Podcast Motor. We do podcast editing and production. We're a productized service. And so that was kind of what let me quit my day job. And we traveled the world for a little bit and ended up living in France. Yeah. And then all the opportunities with, with Castos came along as a result of that. So kind of podcasting has been the door through which all of this stuff has opened up to me. Right. And it's podcasting has been a great thread for you in terms of, you know, obviously you've listened to podcasts for years and then you started your own and then you started a productized service that, that does podcast editing and, and you have quite a client list. And then, as you said, Podcast Motor allowed you to quit your day job. So then you, you have acquired a WordPress plugin that we'll get to in podcasting and then turn that into a SaaS. So it's, it's not often you actually see a thread like that where there are four or five different levels in the same space. And I, I do think that's been one of your superpowers is you haven't wandered all over the place and, you know, had invoicing software and then, uh, you know, an SEO tool and then an email service provider and started a conference. Like, you know, you'd be an idiot to do something like that and wander all over the place. And yeah. you, you've just been focused, but you've you've been able to do it in a, in a much, I would say, uh, it feels to me like a more succinct timeline, right? Because when, when did Podcast Motor start? Oh, man. So Podcast Motor started four and a half years ago. So the very beginning of 2015. And did it, you were working a day job and you're good at sales. I mean, that's what you were, presumably that's what you were doing 40, 50 hours a week. So the Podcast Motor process involved that superpower, I'm guessing. 
of there was a lot of demos and sales and because it's you know it's hundreds of several hundred dollars a month for you to produce episodes for folks so i'm imagining everybody wanted to get on a phone call did you find that that asset of being a salesperson and being comfortable with demos and that kind of thing helped you a lot getting podcast motor off the ground yeah no absolutely absolutely i mean at first i was doing the sales calls and doing the editing and doing the writing and publishing to the you know the hosting platforms and stuff and then we we built a team around it but for a a very long time actually up until just about a month ago i've been doing all the sales calls just because yeah i'm really good at it we we close a lot of customers and and like you said we're we're really fortunate to to be able to work with a lot of the podcasts that that people that listen to this show probably have heard of and yeah it's really cool it's been a really nice experience to to be able to have relationships with with folks like that too that you know where i'm on a, a first name basis and able to email up a lot of these kind of power players especially in our kind of our space and was there a point you know now i mean obviously podcast motor grew to the point where you were able to quit your day job and then you know kind of fund other stuff you were doing but was there a point in the first let's say 12 to 18 months where you were like oh shit, this isn't going to work or man this is this is really hard right now or was it one of those cinderella stories that i often say don't exist you know my famous quote is like the, even in the cinderella stories blah 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 and there are no cinderella stories you know i've been saying that but i don't recall podcast motor being that hard for you to get off the ground so i guess to summarize what what was the hardest part or, or the lowest point as you were building that yeah so it, it was both, right? It was really successful really quickly, which in a service business is really hard, right? Because in a SaaS business, if you make it and a bunch of people sign up, there's no more work for you other than maybe support. But like in a service business, and I think podcast motor is like a relatively complex one to scale the team up and create all these processes and documentation and workflows and stuff to to be able to handle you know, to go from five customers to 30 is really hard. And so it was not hard in the fact that like the business floundered, but that the business was successful, which is its own problem. So that was kind of the challenge. And I mean, for a long time, I loathed the business because it was just like a constant game of catch up. And now I have a lot more respect for it because, you know, productized service model is absolutely fantastic for folks who are out there and like they're consulting or they have a day job and they want to quit their day job and go out on their own. I think there's no faster, more kind of clear way to do it than a productized service. There are some downsides like scalability is, is a lot harder, but for folks who just want to quit their day job, there's, there's nothing better because it's pretty simple. During those times where you were loathing it, because so I, I've never run a productized consulting. Actually, that's not true. CMS Themer was that, and that was a constant pain in my ass. When I was, I had a bunch of other software products, and CMS Themer was bringing more revenue than a lot of them, but it was this constant back and forth with clients, and I didn't have enough volume to hire the staff to, to do it, so I was doing a lot of it myself. Were you working the day job, then you'd come home, and then you'd just work? four, five, six hours at night to keep up before you had the bandwidth to hire someone to kind of replace yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the that's the hardest part in any business. I think whether it's a productized service or it's a SaaS business, that time when you're making a few thousand bucks to 10, even 10,000 bucks MRR is just really hard because you don't have the time or the money to, to really do anything, you know? And that's why I think stuff like Tiny Seed is really cool because you guys... I think your sweet spot with Tiny Seed is to take these folks that are that five or even 10 grand 
and say, okay, stop, stop messing around with your day job and go all in on this and really dedicate yourself to, to marketing or hire someone for marketing or hire a developer so you can go do marketing or something. Because that is the, the point that probably a lot of folks get burnt out on is just like, I have all of these demands on my time and my mental energy and my stress is through the roof. Because yeah, you're working a day job and you have family or whatever. Then you come home and work on this and there's a fire to put out every day. And it's just like, if there's no light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> in some way, then it's just, it's just really depressing sometimes, which is weird because then you have like this growing business that is making you depressed. It's, it's a strange thing, but that's, that's how it was. Yeah. There's some, I mean, f- there's a, so much to be said for the power of focus, right? The ability to just focus on one thing and not have a day job and, and side projects in addition to what, you know, whatever it is you're doing. And, you know, to your point about folks who have 5k MRR or, or sub 10k MRR and are depressed or shutting businesses down, I've seen that over and over and over. And I've seen folks trying to do it nights and weekends for years and unable to get it past that point, you know, where they are able to, to quit the day job. And, and it's a real shame. I think there are businesses that could have succeeded or could succeed faster if they just had a little more, a little more time you know, and a little more of their best energy, the good glucose, right? Not the, I just worked an eight or nine hour day for my day job. And now I commute home and I have three or four hours, even if I'm a developer and I can write the code, you're just so tired and you're not as productive and you don't get in the flow. And, you know, so there, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said there. Can you give us an an idea of, of how large podcast motor is? I know you don't talk about, you know, top line revenue. Have you ever talked about number of of clients or, or any idea, maybe even employee headcount, something to give us an idea of the scope of the business? Yeah, we do about 30 grand a month. Okay. And most of it is recurring, yeah. That's cool. And how long after you started Podcast Motor were you able to basically, you know, quit the day job? About two years. Okay. Did it take that long to get to the point where it could provide a full-time income for you? Or were you working the day job and also banking, you know, extra money in preparation for that event? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. It was more that we had, we actually had a day in mind and we had a day in mind for like a really long time, like almost a year. My wife and I agreed, okay, with some stuff with the kids and them finishing preschool, we wanted to quit around the summer so we could travel Europe for three months. And so we just had a day in mind and the the day kind of included some personal stuff. It included podcast motor getting to a certain size so it could provide for us and I was in, you know, sales, so you're making pretty good money, which was allowing us to save up for for this transition time too. I know it grew pretty well from the start, so I almost would have thought the productized consulting, given how quickly it, you know it can scale up, would have allowed you to quit your day job before two years. And it sounds like it would have. Like if if you really were desperate, you know, back in like 2008, I was just clawing and scratching to get out the day job. And the moment that I was able to, I quit. And if you had done it at the moment, you know, that you had enough income to do it, it, it sounds like it would have been a lot sooner. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I'm always been kind of like reinvesting more back into the business than maybe I have to. And it's been true for both Castos and Podcast Motor, where, you know, the businesses don't throw off as much profit as they could, certainly. But I'm just kind of like always oriented towards growth. And so we were hiring team members and getting people in place and, and doing all these things to where I didn't get as much money, but when I had a day job, I didn't quote need it. But if I, if I had to quit my day job or if I'd gotten fired, yeah, we could have lived off podcast motor pretty early on. Yeah. 
The next thing I want to touch on is your acquisition of a WordPress plugin called Seriously Simple Podcasting. And this is a, a plugin that folks who you know run WordPress and want to run a podcast, they install the plugin and then when they do a new post, it allows them to upload an MP3 file and, and have that go into an RSS feed and iTunes settings and all that stuff. And message to the listeners, we on Startups for the Rest of Us, we were on PodPress for ages and it was abandoned. It did the same similar functionality, right? And it was abandoned six years ago and we never, we just never upgraded because, you know, you just don't do these things. And, you know, you came in and generously offered to migrate us to Seriously Simple Podcasting. And so we've been on it now for, I'd say, about a month or two and, and really enjoying them. The more modern interface and the maintained code base and, the, you know, all the things that we were lacking with PodPress. So this, this very podcast runs, runs on that plugin. But you didn't build that. You acquired it. And I want to dig in a little bit on that story, you know, namely kind of when did it happen in this timeline? So right now we're at two years after starting a podcast motor, you've quit your day job. Did, you know, the acquisition happen before or after that? How did it come about? Just kind of talk us through that process. Yeah. So it came about, I had already quit my day job. We were already in France and it came about just uh, an email from actually one of our podcast motor customers, who's also in the WordPress space emailed me and said, hey, the guy who's the kind of original creator of this plugin is selling it because he's going to work at Automatic, the kind of parent company of WordPress. I think you should talk to him. This sounds like a pretty interesting fit for what you're already doing with Podcast Motor. And so I talked to Hugh. Hugh Lashbrook is the guy that wrote the plugin. And, you know, pretty quickly he was like, yep, this is a good fit because you're kind of a reasonable person and already in the space, he'll probably take good care of it. And we saw it as a way to kind of expand what we're already doing with Podcast Motor as a service business and getting into a product business and SaaS. And the idea was always to build a hosting platform to connect to the plugin. So the plugin, like all plugins in the WordPress repository, is entirely free and will always be entirely free. And so now the, the Castos hosting platform is an optional kind of add-on to the plugin. And we use the f traffic flow in the lead gen from WordPress as like our main source of business. And did you think from the start, like when you were evaluating the purchase of the plugin, was it in the back of your mind, like this is going to be good traffic and lead gen flow to a SaaS app someday? No, it was dumb luck. <laughs> Very fortunately, but yeah, it turns out to be one of the best decisions I've made in a long time. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's the thing, man. Like if I've learned anything it, doing all of, you know, this, the entrepreneurship stuff and the podcasting and being in public is like doing things in public creates opportunity. I don't care whether you're blogging about things, whether you're podcasting, whether you're actually have a productized business, a productized consulting business like you do, whether you have a SaaS app. If you had not started the podcast, then decided to do podcast motor, you would never have gotten that email right? No one would have picked you out of the blue. And, and it happened to be, oh, this guy's already in the podcast. Like there, there was some, you know, there was a warm relationship there. There was a recommendation by someone saying, hey, he'll take good care of it because we already know he's proven this and that. And it's, I, I often give this advice to, to folks who can't ship or who are, you know, I've either been working on something for years or thinking about it, or I just don't know what to do to start. I often say like, just start podcasting or start writing, even if you want to ultimately do software products, just get out in the world, build a small tool and ship it, help bloggers, help podcasters, help developers, something that gets you out in the world and has your, your name in the, in the footer, because you'll be shocked at how many of these little things come along just from being out there. I think that one of the things we all discount 
too much is just the value of your relationships with human beings and talking to them on the phone and meeting them in person and stuff. Like we go to conferences like MicroConf or like FemtoConf or whatever, maybe once a year and you meet up with all of your online friends. And that's really great. But I think that especially if you're talking about like developing business acumen and and a real network that that we should all take this a lot more seriously than than most of us do and i was definitely in that boat i was like i'm just gonna you know have my computer and run a business and now i think like i could run a really good business without a computer almost and just just you know talk to people and and kind of work it like a regular business where it's all the relationships and the people that that operate in the business and that i know you know in the industry and stuff so it's it's an interesting kind of flip that that's taken yeah, I've totally seen that in my career as well. That it's a lot of it starts with nuts and bolts and providing a service and marketing and a funnel and a split testing. And then at a certain point, it's like, wow, those are lower leverage activities for you now because now it's working relationships and it's building partnerships and it's shaking hands. And like you said, at an event, and it's like, oh, this that can get you hundreds of customers right off the bat rather than, you know, kind of grinding it out with, with AdWords or, or as the case may be. So to give listeners a, an idea of maybe the magnitude of the plugin, I know you haven't talked about purchase price. You don't have to name an exact number, but like to give listeners just some context, you know, what realm of, of numbers did you pay for uh, for Seriously Simple Podcasting? So I paid like mid four figures for the plugin. And at the time it was an entirely free plugin with some add-on modules, which are also free and had about between 10 and 20,000 active installs in WordPress. That sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah, it was a great deal. Yeah. Long term, it's been, <laughs> it's turned into, uh, you know, knowing what it turned into, it's obviously was a, a genius maneuver that I know you architected from the start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from day one, I knew it. No, but but even that, I mean, that's, yeah, it, it sounds like that was that was a good a good exchange. And so how long after, so you acquire this plugin, this is your first exposure to WordPress, right? I mean, I know you'd used it as a, you know, as a podcast host or whatever, but first time owning, you know, and operating a plugin, how long after the acquisition did you think we should build a SaaS app to back this thing? No, it was always the idea was to, to buy the plugin to build a hosting platform on top of it because the model had already been proven. There's another player in the space that does a very similar thing. I think we do it better, but uh, there's someone else that, that already does the exact same thing, basically. And so our, our idea was, yep, there's already a player doing this in a certain way. I think we can do it better because there are some things about that tool that, that I don't like and a lot of other people don't like. And so that was the idea from the beginning. And so the rest is history, to be honest. Like you build Castos, it's a SaaS app. A big channel has been your WordPress stuff. I know you have a lot of other channels uh, at this point growing the company. Castos is about two and a half years old, four full-time, two part-time folks. So successful SaaS app on all metrics. And, you know, I know, I know your MRR, we won't announce it here on the show, but it's, it's successful by, by any measure. I'm curious, I think there's a couple questions I have for you. The first is podcast hosting is a very competitive and almost, I'll say quasi-commoditized space. There are a lot of them. It's commoditized in the way that email service providers are. There's differentiation. It's not truly a commodity, but there are just so many that you could go out and you know throw a rock and, and hit three. What made you think that you could enter that space just two and a half years ago after there are already you know as many as there were and gain enough traction to build a real business on it? Yeah, I think that 
even now and and for sure back then but but even now the thing that sets us apart from most all other players is is the plugin and our wordpress integration because i mean it makes managing your podcast content just so easy and it's a seriously simple podcasting right but no all joking aside like you just go into wordpress you create a post you upload the file and your podcast is live as opposed to like oh i'm going to log into libsyn and i'm going to go over here and upload the file and then i get this iframe code which is all janky and then take it back to my wordpress site and make sure the posts are published at the same time and all this kind of stuff there's none of that and you just manage all your content wherever you're managing all of your content already which for a lot of people is wordpress and so i i still believe that like if I wasn't the owner of Castos, I would still use it because it's the best tool for kind of my workflow because I use WordPress for all of my sites. And so I you know, manage all of my content in WordPress. And so it's the obvious tool. And, and I would tell anyone else that, that like, if you have a site on WordPress and you want to start a podcast, it's just the, the clear kind of easy, good way to go. And so I think that's our competitive advantage. And, and I think we have a pretty good moat around that. It would be hard for somebody to create a plugin that does as much as we do and get the traction and the name recognition and everything. I'm sure somebody could, and maybe somebody will after hearing this. Uh, and that's cool. I mean, competition's healthy. I think it, it validates the space a lot. But I think that at this point, we're, we're a long way down that road. And so I think it, it's a pretty defendable competitive advantage for us. Early mover advantage with stuff like WordPress plugins, SEO, you know, I, w I often think of WordPress plugins just as another form of SEO, right? Because if you get a plugin with a bunch of five-star reviews in the, the WordPress plugin repository, then you appear at or near the top of the search results when people search for podcast plugin and that it just dumps hundreds or thousands of people through your funnel. Yeah, and it's a free funnel, so it's not like they're hitting your website, but they're, they're downloading the plugin, and then from there, you know, you nurture them. And this is a this is a playbook, you know, we're, we're seeing folks do, whether they're moving them towards the premium plugin add-ons to a free one or towards a SaaS app, as you've done. Free like a puppy, Rob. WordPress and WordPress plugins are not free, man. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> it's an expensive channel to maintain, but but a very high-quality one. Yeah, no doubt. So I'm curious, you know, again, coming back to non-technical founder, you don't write code. I mean, you're, but you're a more technical person than, than most salespeople I'll say that I, that I've met. I think it probably comes from selling medical devices, right? Just, you, you have that left brain edge and, and I know that you're, you're savvy with some of the tech stuff, just not a coder yourself. I'm curious what the hardest thing has been for you as a non-technical founder building and maintaining a SaaS app. Yeah, so I know that Jonathan, our, our lead developer for, for Castos, listens to this podcast, so he's going to laugh <laughs> when he hears this. But, I mean, at, at the beginning, it was just him and I. You know, So he's been our developer since day one. He started about two weeks after we acquired the plugin. And we have had quite the journey of how we communicate, how we plan, how we work together. And it's just been really challenging. And it's And it's not anything to do with him because he's actually been really great and gracious and forgiving of uh, of me but i think that for most non-technical folks learning how to communicate effectively and maybe efficiently is the right word with developers is the hardest part not that they speak well they kind of speak a different language but but just being really really clear the first time about what you want to build and why and what the user experience is going to be and all of these things even to 
a developer that is, you know, Western, a Western person, that native English is their, their first language, which Jonathan is both those. He's from South Africa. And so even though I would consider him a really, really good senior developer, I would come and say, hey, I want to go build this thing. And he would go build it. And I would come back and say, this is not what I meant. <laughs> and he would say, yeah, that's what you said. And so just just some of those things, I mean, it's not and it's not even just like scoping a feature. It's how we track and report and decide which bugs to fix and in what order and prioritize the workload and stuff. All of this kind of project management stuff is is just really challenging. And, and I think at this point we do a, a pretty good job of it. But for the first year, at least, it was just fires every day. Can you give me an example of one time that you remember where you feel like you really struggled and made, you know, basically did an example of what you're you're talking about? I can't think of an example, but I think the the classic thing, actually I've heard Heaton Shaw talk about this recently, is like he calls it like dropping Heaton bombs. So he'll just come in and say, hey, you know, we should do this thing sometime. And then like the person that you know, quote, works for you, says, oh, wow, you know, Heaton or Craig thinks that's a really important thing. I should go do that. And so I think that like that's that's maybe been like the biggest specific challenge for me is is organizing my thoughts and my product roadmap into something that's really predictable and clear and that that we can all follow in a in a sane way, not just scattered message and slack every day and changing directions on a whim. That's just an impossible way to work. I think getting over that has has been huge. I can see that. It's amazing that if you're like me, and I and you and I are, are you know similar in, in personality, you view yourself as this as a scrappy founder who just wants to get stuff done, worked a day job, you built something, you're the same person you were 10 years ago. But you're not viewed that way by the people you hire. And when you when you have a team and you're working with, whether it's four or 40 people, you still feel like you can just brainstorm like you did back in the day with a co-founder or with a mastermind group. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing this, this, and that. But you're right. The heat and bomb concept, I've seen it over and over and over with founders of you throw out an idea and it just train wrecks everybody, you know, or your thought process is really anxiety provoking can be really anxiety provoking if you change your, if you say something one day and then change your mind the next day and you're like, you know what? No, that was just a, it was just a brainstorm. It was just something I was thinking, you know, folks don't know that and they're trying to get a job done. And it's like, yeah, I, I can imagine that not being a, I wonder, is that just learning to be like a manager, like a boss, or is it learning to be, you know, communicating with developers? It might be both. Yeah. I think it's definitely more of the former and also kind of being more mature and I hate to say that because I'm going to be 40 next year, but like I need to chill out a little bit about some of this stuff. Right. And say like, okay, the house is not on fire. Right. We have a really great product and plugin and everything is super stable. If I can just keep my mouth shut for another two weeks until this sprint is over, then we can talk about this. And that's kind of where I am these days. So as, as we kind of move towards wrapping up, I have a, it, it seems like a, a tangent question or whatever, but I, I know that especially folks who listen to rogue startups or maybe who have their own podcast and are building their own you know, product on the side might be wondering, do you feel like rogue startups as you know, your podcast you've been hosting for many years, do you feel like that's had an impact on your ability to launch and grow Castos? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think in two ways. One is that 
it is what first got me into to podcast motor which is the kind of the door that got me into you know running my own businesses and and was the introduction that that got us into serious civil podcasting and i think that the other reason probably is the the more like applicable to everybody is is that it really is honed my kind of niche expertise right like i am pretty knowledgeable about podcasting because i run a podcast and i run a productized service around podcasting where we help a lot of really good podcasters run their podcast and now i run a SaaS app and a wordpress plugin around podcasting and so i just have a lot of domain expertise around this and and i think the show itself probably like starts for the rest of us is a really good channel to get your name out and build brand equity and stuff like that directly I think our show has helped grow Castos directly some, but I think more so it's allowed us to make a lot of really good product and marketing decisions because we have, I mean, the vast majority of our thousands of customers, I don't know, and don't come from, you know, our listener base. So, I mean, that tells me that, yeah, the the podcast probably has helped us a little bit, but I think more than anything, we've built something that people really like. And I would guess that the podcast has helped you more with, well, a couple things. One, knowing what to build and knowing how to support people who are editing and posting podcasts because you run a company that does it. Know how to help folks who are creating podcasts because you create one. You do have an expertise that most people, even building podcast hosting SaaS apps, don't have. You have that whole gamut of being a listener, creator, and running a company that edits and and produces them. That's one thing. But I I think the other thing is I'm guessing that Rogue Startups probably helps you more with like credibility, perhaps with potential affiliates or partners, like in our space, in the microconf world, they'd probably know you from Rogue Startups. I'm guessing even podcast motor clients, you know, those those would be the folks that would email. I mean, I'll, I'll admit I've received at least just over the years, probably two or three emails asking about you know, do you know Craig? Do you know about Podcast Motor? Are they legit? That kind of stuff. And early on, I mean, the way I first heard about you was Rogue Startups. And you spoke at MicroConf Europe a couple of years ago. You're speaking again in two months. And the first time I invited you was because I had listened to you talk on this podcast for months. And I was like, this guy's sharp. You know, he knows what he's talking about. I think he'll do well on stage. I mean, I think, and, I, and you would come to MicroConf and I believe we had met, but I meet a lot of people at MicroConf. You know, it's like you were in my earbuds literally six months or nine months. And, and that was a piece of it. So, and I'm not saying you speaking at MicroConf Europe or you and I knowing each other has changed the course of anything, but that that's probably one of 50 examples that's come out of it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think podcasting even here in, you know, getting into the fourth quarter of, of 2019 is probably the best use of time that anybody can, can put into like personal branding it's just, it's wonderful. It's really efficient from a time perspective. You just spend 45 minutes uh, recording a show, edit it a little bit, or send it to somebody like Podcast Motor, or find a guy on Upwork to edit it for you. And then you get, we get 45 minutes in a bunch of people's ears every week. It's just really impactful as a, as a medium for, for building brand awareness and, and getting your name out there. Yeah. And you're not just saying that because you run a. <laughs> I'm hugely biased. Yeah, <laughs> I know totally. But take it from someone like me who doesn't run an editing and a hosting service. I mean, I, I've been talking about this for years. Mike and I show up every week. We ship a show every week, and I stopped blogging years ago. I really want to blog. I just don't have slash make the time to do it. But I do make the time to podcast because it is such a so much less of, a, of an effort. 
And we need to uh, talk offline about getting startups for the rest of us moved over to Castos. Next couple of weeks. Let's yeah. It. Let's figure out a good time for, yeah. you know, for that to happen. We're already on Seriously Simple Podcasting. And my understanding is the move to, to get all of our files. Right now, I mean, for listeners, you know, we set it up in 2010. So we literally have flat files, MP3 flat files, just sitting on a shared hosting account and a CDN over that. And that's, I mean, we could have done... Lipson, <laughs> I always forget how to pronounce it. We could have done them back in 2010. They were the only hosts that I know of, and they were so janky, dude. And a lot more expensive than, than what we have because I have some unlimited shared hosting accounts. So we've done that for nine years, and frankly, there's just a lot of... There's a lot of challenges with that approach. I'll just... I'll leave it at that. And, and we've been looking at switching podcast hosts for, or not switching, just getting a legit podcast host for several years for the metrics and all that stuff. But I think it's probably time we do it. Yeah, we'd love to. Sounds great, man. So thanks again for coming on the show. I know if folks want to, you know, keep up with Castos, they can go to castos.com. If they want to follow you, if they're in the podcast, of course, check out Rogue Startups, you know, on iTunes, Stitcher and all the other places. Where else might they keep up with, with what you're up to? Yeah, so I think the best place is probably on Twitter. So I'm the Craig Hewitt on Twitter. Uh, and I, I tweet less often than I should. But yeah, that's probably the easiest place to, to reach out and say, hey. Sounds great, man. Thanks again for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Craig. Again, if you have any questions that you'd like to hear Craig and I talk through on the show, please email him questions at startupsfortherestofus.com or call a voicemail number at 888-801-9690. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.